Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I'm Gail, one of the hosts of the podcast and co-founder of Authority Hacker, and I'm with Mark. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, yes. And today uh, we are also, this is essentially like a teaser campaign for uh, Authority Hacker Pro that's coming up soon. So we are going to share some of our best tips, actually. Uh, today, we're going to share some of our best tips in affiliate marketing. And next time, we're going to share some of our best tips in SEO. So that, yeah, like this is our best stuff. And so it's just a way for to get people to like check this stuff out and then promote Authority Hacker Pro later. But this podcast is going to be full of value. So let's jump right into it. I want to talk about identifying winners in terms of blog content, et cetera. And I think that's something that people don't realize uh, in the way we run SEO. And I actually have like a video in HPro that's coming up on that, on like building kind of like affiliate clusters, affiliate content hubs. Because nowadays, if you look at the effort that we have going on to our content team, I would say about 80% of the effort is just spent on pushing what's winning already, like a cluster that's winning already, a hub that's winning already. And about 20% is about throwing shit at the wall, basically. That's, that's what I'm calling it. Essentially, I'm identifying keywords maybe competitors are ranking for or things like that. That could be interesting, but we have no pieces of content related to the topic or no incoming links to pages related to the topic on the site. I'll say it for 20% of the content, I'll tell my writers to try it. And then we'll see where we get after promoting it, after doing some link building, etc. And then the 80%, which is what people don't do, is I find... What's making me money? So it can be an FA program. Uh, I'm not going to give an FA program that makes us money right now, but there was, for example, a lot of ClickBank products at the time that made us good money, the weight loss products, etc. And we would try to brainstorm all the keywords that we would be able to promote these keywords because these products, because we knew they had the highest TPC. So I actually prepared a bit of an example here. So for example, let's say we wrote an article that is how to train your back at home because you can go to the gym right now, right? And it's ranking well, and I'm managing to sell a bunch of TRX. Uh, TRX is great to train your back. You know, you can do the rose thing. So, like, I managed to sell a TRX, and I'm selling a lot of TRX. I'm seeing my EPC is good. I'm seeing I'm making money, etc. And what I mean by creating more of the same is, well, you can use a TRX not just to train your back. And we know that this keyword formula, how to train X at home, works well, especially in the current times, right? So, if that piece of content was making me good money, I would immediately queue how to train your legs at home because you can do split squats with the TRX, how to train your glutes at home because you can do bridges that are pretty hard with the TRX, how to train your arms at home because you can do the, um, you can do the curls with the TRX that are also pretty hard, how to train your chest at home, you can do the push-ups on the TRX that are pretty hard. And the same product that I know, you know has a landing page that's converting well, making me good money, has a high EPC. I know that the intent is pretty much going to be the same as how to train your back at home. So my main goal is going to be, okay, let's take as many of these skills as possible. And if I know my EPC is high and the people that come to this page is high, things like search volume, et cetera, don't matter nearly as much as they used to matter. Because I know it's like I don't need that much traffic to make good money. And we have several of these hubs running at all times on our sites where I'm running 2,000 words article on 50 searches per month keywords because I know it's making us good money. And then the end goal probably for, for this example would be to make a how to train at home page. And then what probably I would do is I would do like a full body workout with like one exercise for your back, one exercise for your glutes, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would link out to all these pages, like how to train your glutes at home, how to train your back at home, how to train your arms at home, et cetera. And this would be the top of my 
content hub, and then I would run my link building to that top of the hub. I would link out to all these pages, and then eventually I could rank for all these keywords and make way more money than I did. Because I got lucky with that how to train your back at home, I essentially capitalized on that. And the thing that works really well is, uh, in, it's kind of SEO, but I think it matters for this, is that once you build a topical relevancy around these hubs, they tend to rank really fast as well. Like in many cases, when we publish these kind of hubs, these pages do rank after like a day or two on page one or top five or whatever without any link building, especially with all the internal linking going on with all the pages you have. So I see a lot of people doing really well with one page and like, ah, what do I do, et cetera. Your duty is to <laughs> brainstorm what's going to work best, what kind of keywords you can write about that is similar, that will sell the same product because it's, it's quite hard to find a good offer that makes good money. So once you have one, you want to maximize it. So that's basically the first one. I'll let you pick the second one. The second tip we have is to find better offers. So most people, when they're starting an affiliate site, not most people, a lot of people, they'll start with Amazon, the Amazon Associates program. It's great because it's very easy to sign up. There's a shitload of products on there and uh, they convert. Amazon converts very well. The problem is the commission's not that great. So what do you do when you actually start making some money on here? Well, you can go to direct, first of all, to the, the vendor. So if you're selling lots of TRX machines or equipment, whatever it is, you can go direct to the company that produces it and say, hey, do you have an affiliate program? If they do, great. If they don't, ask if you can kind of refer them direct and bypass Amazon. They'd be saving a lot of money not having to pay the Amazon on platform fees as well, and you could potentially make much higher commission from it. Uh, you could also look for similar products which already ex which are related to it. So you could use something like Odigger, which is essentially a search engine for affiliate offers, uh, and you could look for products similar to the one you're recommending on Amazon. Sometimes, even though the product's on Amazon, it's actually also available direct on the manufacturer's site, and a lot of the time they already have an affiliate program. So just the process of going and looking and seeing what's available there is a, generally a, a good thing to do because you can make much higher commission rates than the 4 or 5% which you would typically get on, on Amazon. Um, for a lot of these products, you could get you know, 20, 30, 40% commission if you go direct. I think people are like struggling with that because it's rare that the first offer you try off Amazon works out. Like a lot of offers just are shit. They don't convert. Like you send a thousand clicks, you make no sales. It's quite frustrating. You're like, oh, I could have made all this money with Amazon. But I like to apply the same logic as like A-B testing for this. Like when you do A-B testing, there's essentially a version of your page that's less good than the other. So you're losing money, especially if the test is essentially not winning. You, you just literally lost money. So it's kind of the same here. Don't be afraid to move off Amazon and try other things. I know it's reassuring, but if you want to make, like, there's very few people I know making six figures a month with just Amazon, for example. Like, I've, I've met several, but it's not a lot of them compared to the amount of affiliates I've met. I, I would I would say as well, what you said in the first point about kind of doubling down on, on something that works and mm -hmm. looking for keyword variations of it to kind of like get more, more traffic to the, the topic. When you do that, you obviously are promoting the same or similar products a lot more. So yeah, it works together, right? It's much easier to kind of go all in on it. If you're if you have a thousand pages promoting ten thousand different products and they're not in any way related, yep. then it's much harder to do this. So what you can do is you can look at your Amazon sales reports and you can actually order it by quantity ordered and you can just see, you know, what is selling the most. And then you that you can kind of work down it that way and, and that can give you a priority list. Yeah, I mean, it kind of works together. And that's why 
I said, if you find a good offer, you really want to drive as much traffic as you can to it because it's actually hard to find a good offer. And um, I think um, another thing that you didn't mention in terms of finding better offers is just to Google it, right? If you Google like your niche plus affiliate programs, I mean, we do write quite a bit about this, but in general, a lot of people do make lists and also a lot of individual stores, etc., will advertise their affiliate program if you just Google it. They have an affiliates page. I'll give you an example. We have a site that makes 4.5% commission on Amazon and it doesn't always have all the products that we'd like to promote. And just by Googling, I found a site that has 8% base commission, 30-day cookie, and ships worldwide as well. With like, If you buy more than $200, it's like free shipping worldwide as well. So these do exist. I do expect it to convert less than Amazon, but the 8% versus 4.5% will probably make up for it. And the 30-day cookie as well, that's really yeah, significant. Exactly. Remember, Amazon, what is it, 24, 48 24 hours? hours. Yeah, it's, 24. it's like tiny. It's 24 hours, and the thing is, like, if that site runs retargeting, for example, then, then the 30-day cookie is really, really valuable because people will probably see the ads for this for 30 days, and then if they buy, you still get a commission. So this is the kind of programs you want to try, and you will be surprised. I mean, um, you know, like a lot of like fitness ones as well. I think uh, I think it's Rogue, for example, the Rogue um, affiliate programs, for example, is really good. So if you want to sell, if you want to like sell fitness equipment, don't just sell Amazon stuff. Try Rogue, for example. That gives you an idea of what I'm talking about. The next point is using templates for reviews, roundups, VS alternatives. This kind of like essentially keyword. How would you call that? Hmm. I cut that. It's like permutations of buying and No, no, no. There's a name for it. Modifiers. So the next tip is use templates for the different modifiers. So reviews, roundup, VS, alternatives. These are the kind of keywords you're probably worried about if you're trying to do affiliate marketing, ranking Google, because these are, these are the keywords that have high user intent and at the same time don't have e-commerce sites ranking for them most of the time. And the thing is, if you want to scale things up like the way I mentioned, you know where I said like write the same article multiple times for different parts of your body. Having templates is a game changer for that because it really sucks when you run a site to have to brief each article one by one and like doing a ton of research, etc. If you want to do it properly, if you want to research your writers to do a good job, it does happen that it could take like one or two hours to brief an article. But it's probably worth it creating spending two hours briefing an article if you know you're gonna write 20 of them or 30 of them of the same ones. And so what it gets as well, it gets consistency. And it's one thing I like to do with content refresh as well, right? So I pick one article template. Let's say we do the same thing, like how to work out your back at home, how to work out your arms at home, etc. I pick an article which is like uh, why you want to walk your back, the best equipment for walking your back, and maybe the best exercises for walking your back at home. Something. This would be the three sections in the article. I'm just making it up, right? And one thing I like to do as well is I like to experiment with the template every time we do content refreshes as well. So I like to look at like what's ranking and uh, I actually change my template as it goes. So I have a template for like how to work out at home X part of the body. And I'll just essentially, we need to update our content every year or two these days. It's kind of like mandatory at this point. And then I'll essentially work that. But after that, I'll just do a batch with all the same and I get an idea of the conversion rate and I'm able to do C-hour work at the same time as I'm updating my content as well. But having a structure, being able to re repeat stuff and also training your staff. Once the staff, it's like very often when we give an article to a writer, we don't like it, the first version. It takes a lot of feedback. And if you want good content and if you want to be competitive, then it, most out-of-the-box writers will essentially not know how to do that properly the first time. And the thing is, like, you kind of have two choices. One, you spend a lot of time giving them feedback on that one article. And it takes even more time. It's really annoying. 
or two, you just train them on that format and then they're able to take that feedback you gave them and do it on like 20 articles. And that's how you essentially scale your management and you're able to do a lot. Literally this morning, I signed 30 plus articles with the same format to one writer and he has work until July. And that, that is essentially how you do this. And consistency is really good. One thing I like to do as well, especially for like reviews, roundups, et cetera, these days is creating custom post formats. So, and I think we'll talk about like comparison tables after that, but basically being able to, like if you check a review on a Toy Hacker, if you go check Ahrefs review, for example, Google Ahrefs review will probably be in the top three. I can't tell what we'll be ranking at the time the podcast comes out, probably be there. And you'll see we have this custom header with like the custom description, call to action. If there's a free trial, it says get your free trial. If it doesn't, uh, it just says get your account or something. And we build these with Elementor and Advanced Custom Field. And it's, it's really easy. You don't need to code anything, et cetera. And what it does as well is its page template is essentially becoming part of user intent slash search intent that uh, Google is looking at. So like for some queries, you'll see only list post rank and it's, you need the list post page format. And for single reviews, if you go in tech, for example, you will see a lot of like CNET, The Verge, all these guys. And these guys will have this kind of format we have in a, in a review. And if you have that page format, you will rank higher. And if you look at the reviews on Atari Hacker, they've done pretty well as well. So we mix the writing template that we give to the writers and we train them together with the page template that actually reinforces the intent of the page and the intent of the, you know, what the, what the user should be expecting from the page. So works really well, build templates. And we actually have a lot of these templates in HPro. We have all the writing templates, and I actually also recorded a lesson on how to do these single review templates that's uh, actually coming out around the time when this podcast comes out. So that should be interesting. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, so the next one is to negotiate higher affiliate commissions. And I've just actually finished recording a lesson again for Authority Hacker Pro. Sorry to keep name dropping, but I've recorded a lesson about this. And it's surprising And I say this as someone who runs an affiliate program, you know, for Authority Hacker for our courses. It's surprising how few people ever ask for affiliate commission increases. The fact is, most vendors, most product owners, most affiliate managers have considerable leeway to increase affiliate commissions. You know, if you send more traffic or you commit to doing more of these uh, keyword variations or doing more content around them or pushing them harder, uh, they have leeway to, to increase your commissions if you're going to do that. But most people never even ask. The best affiliate managers will proactively reach out to affiliates who are doing well, reward them, encourage them to do more and more and more. And you know we've seen it ourselves in, um, in some other sites when the affiliate managers re reach out to us and offer us all sorts of perks and commission bumps and stuff like it, it feels CL really consultations and everything yeah it feels have, really yeah. motivating and you know we, we always end up pushing them a lot harder in those situations as well so from your perspective from an affiliate's perspective ask them first and foremost bear in mind by the way you, you can't really do this on amazon because it's just the nature of the yeah, beast. they don't care i mean yeah. actually there is a super affiliate level on amazon if you're making really a lot of sales i'm talking like millions There is a top secret tier where people make like 10% commissions and like have all these kind of perks, etc. That's where the wire cutter is. That's where like these big guys are and some big affiliates. It does exist, but I'm not even sure they even let anyone in anymore. It's probably something that's yeah. Not so they, they actually have they have different thresholds in different countries, and you get like an Amazon Wrap and uh, yep. and all this kind of stuff. And that's why a lot of these bigger sites seem to be breaking some of the Amazon rules about the like rules, displaying yeah. price and all this stuff. 
But just if they do it too, it's not a valid excuse. So always stick to the rules. But for most other affiliate programs where you're dealing directly with a product owner or through an affiliate network that's, that's not Amazon, just asking is, is a good way. So just reach out and ask for a higher commission. If you don't get it straight away, then a better approach perhaps is to go in and say, hey, I've done this, you know, what in terms of content, reviews, uh, the amount of traffic, amount of sales you're generating on a monthly basis. I, pl- I want to invest more money in this kind of content. Here's my plan. How about you increase my commission so I can assign more budget to it, right? Yeah, it's free to ask, right? Worst case, they say no. Um, and then they're still happy you're pushing them. So it's like, it's like they will not reduce your commission. Even if they say no, get them to commit to a goal. Say, okay, I understand now is not, not the right time or I'm not sending enough traffic, whatever. How much traffic do I need to get or how much sales per month do I need to get before I can get an increase in commission? And then get them to agree to that. And then you have a goal to aim for. And when you get there, you will get a commission bump. Yeah. All right. The next one, and I think a lot of people will know about this, is using product comparison tables and using them as high as possible on your page. It's essentially... A lot of people are Googling these keywords. Uh, usually it's for best keywords, but you can do it for VS keywords as well. You can even do it for alternative keywords. You can make like a table summary on top. A lot of people will like literally Google the keyword, click on your page, read the table, click on the button, and never read the article. The article is mostly for Google when you run these. And the thing is like the way comparison tables have been done has changed. And I do think it came from the wire cutter first. So initially, and us included, we're doing like a list of like five or 10 products, like top one to five, et cetera. But the truth is nobody gives a shit about number three, right? Like you either want like the best or the cheapest or something like that. And that's exactly how this has evolved, right? You tend to now give like the best overall, the best value, the best on the budget, the best for short people, the best for people, for old people or whatever there is. And so when people, because the thing is like when people Google the best query, I'm going to take the best query because a lot of people rank for that. When Google, people Google the best query, best is subjective and people are looking for different things. So you're able to cater to all of them and sell to as many people as possible when you do that. You can do that by default in AWP, which is the plugin that we use normally for this kind of like Amazon WordPress uh, comparison tables. However, the template looks like shit. It's like a vertical one. So if you want to put too many products, it's a bit shit. So we actually also, for HPro members, we have a plugin coming out soon that changes the styling and makes it like CRO optimized and everything. I don't think it will be out at the time this podcast is out, but it's probably a few weeks. I had a demo yesterday and... Uh, We'll need to test it quite a lot to make sure it doesn't break anyone's site. But yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. But yeah, use product comparison tables, use them really high. A site that I like to quote for that, they don't really do product comparison table exactly, but PCMag. PCMag actually is a big affiliate site for software, and it's kind of a table. And they actually put it below the headline, but above the article. And you get this kind of like carousel. It's kind of like you get the first four products, and then you can carousel it, and you can also expand it vertically to like expand all the comparison stuff. These guys are testing like crazy. They're quite aggressive in their niche. These are the kind of people I like to look at in terms of comparison tables. Use comparison tables if you don't have them. I've seen people make up to 40% more money by having comparison tables on their sites, so it works quite well. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, so my next affiliate marketing tip is to be honest and trustworthy in what you say. Be genuine. Don't lie and don't say things which are not true because let's be honest a lot of affiliates out there are 
doing this. They will say every product in the world is great because they hope to get commission on, on that review. I don't like this approach. I think it's, even though you may make a quick buck in the short term, I think the market, i.e. the audience, and I think Google as well, will ultimately, in the long term, find you out if you are telling things, if you are making things up. So I always like to just be as honest as possible. Now, a lot of people will say, well, okay, if you're saying, if you're saying a product's crap, then you're not going to make any money. Well, that's not true. You can recommend alternatives, better alternatives. So I don't like this product. We do that, yeah. I don't like this the product because this, this, and this. But I, here are my alternatives. Here are my three best alternatives. I like this, this, and this. Now, there's another layer to this because then you'll get dishonest people going and saying, oh, every, <laughs> every other product in the world is, is terrible except this one. And then all of the that reviews the will, will point back to this one product. And you know some people will will play each other, will use this in like negotiations. Oh, we'll put you number. We'll put you as our re- recommendation if you give us higher commissions and that. I, this, I feel like managers ask for that too, right? Like yeah, we this, had. I feel like managers come to us and be like, "Hey, put us number one, and we give you higher commissions." Yeah, yeah. This works both ways. I don't like to work in that kind of a transactional way. I will say as well that there's a very famous example of a site called Sleepopolis. Uh, in the mattress a mattress review industry and there was a massive legal battle and the site owner actually lost the site in that legal battle uh, because of legal fees and, and all that. There's a big write-up. We'll, we'll put it in the, the, the link to it in the, the show notes. But fascinating. And the, basically the way they lost was because they said, hey, give us more, give us a higher commission. Otherwise, we're putting you number three. And then they followed through with that. And so they got sued and all this kind of stuff. Really, really messy. It happens a lot though, especially in like the more competitive niches. Affiliate managers expect it. Most of them will kind of play along with it for the most part. I don't like that approach at all because it's just very disingenuous. And I think it misleads your audience. I'm all about building long-term trust and building a long-term audience, having people come back, and just generally doing good in the world in terms of like the information we, we we put out there and stuff. I think it's very cute, but it's not always like the best. Like if people just don't, especially if they're doing what I call a utilitarian search, then they're not interested in being your audience. Like if I'm looking for like the best garden hose on Google, I don't care about being part of your audience. I just sure at that at that one to... at that one point in time. But I feel like if you're looking for a garden hose, then maybe in future you're going to be looking for a rake or a spade or a shovel or something else, which my garden review site. Is I understand, be but like it's like I think it really depends on the context. And I think like if I'm looking for that at that time, I'm not looking to like join email list. Maybe my garden hose is broken and there's like water leaking ever in a garden. I just need to go and jump and buy one. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I understand, but I think I know a lot of people that make a lot of money being not truthful in their content. Yes. <laughs> like a lot of people do. So I, so, I, so, I agree so with you're the vision. You re- you're recommending not to be truthful then? No, I agree with the vision and I live by it. However, if you want to be totally honest with the audience here, you've got to tell them that a lot of people are not truthful in their content and absolutely make a killing yeah, but that, that, I, I said that, but what I'm saying is, do you think those people make more money? Do you think you make more money lying or being honest? Well, someone that ranks for like how to start a website, for example, and recommends Bluehost makes a lot more money 
than someone who recommends something like Cloudways, which is a much better quality hosting, but you'll probably make less money and it's like you'll get less conversions, etc. And because of the amount of commission that you can generate by being a Bluehost affiliate, for example, yes, I believe the liar makes more money. In the long term? Probably. So it's an interesting example. There's a, a website, Hosting Facts, and they actually had for a period of time really unbiased reviews and they really kind of had a data-driven approach as to like what a good web host was. Bluehost was not up there. Then they got bought over by another company and suddenly Bluehost was at the top of yeah, everything. Yeah, is number one now. Um, for me, that website's lost all credibility and hosting facts, I think they just, they're not a real, they're just lying. But don't you think they make way more money? So... Here's what I believe. I believe that the optimal path, and by the way, we're not going to follow this because we're stupid, but, <laughs> but the optimal path is actually to start truthful, build an audience, get a fuck ton of links to your site for being high quality resource, like Hostingfight has done. And then at a point of time, when you reach that critical level of authority and you're ranking for a lot of keywords, then you can flip the script and switch to the best paying offer because you don't, like, you don't need... This essentially it's a small community that links to you and makes you the authority. And it's a large community that discovers you through search, right? You don't need these people anymore to do well. Uh, and so I think that that depends like on the setup of your site. If you're just uh, someone's coming from Google checking this one page and never coming back to our site again, perhaps I still think in the long run they'll ultimately get found out like over a ten year period or something. Yeah. If you're about to sell the site next Tuesday, Maybe. Just to be clear, I'm still not going to do it. It's like far too against my principles. I, I know. I'm actually trying to look for like the um, number of returning visitors. So we're trying to be truthful on a toy hacker, right? So I'm trying to look at like how this is paying off, right? New versus returning. So I'm checking, I'm literally checking now how many people are returning versus new people. I mean, it's not bad. We get 18% returning visitors for 81%, 81 point something percent new visitors. So like we try to be really truthful and still four out of five visitors are brand new visitors that are unlikely to come back. Otherwise they would be in a returning thing, you know? So it shows you that even, you know, if you're in that case, there's still a case to be made for being that utilitarian site and you can still build a business around that. And then when you're that site, then your best economic interest is to promote what has the highest conversion multiplied by the highest commission, you know? Okay, so I guess like the, the the flow chart of what to do here is <laughs> first question is do you have morals slash principles? Exactly. If, if yes, recommend the best thing. If no, proceed to the next question. Pretty um, much. <laughs> but that that's that's the reality of the market. Let's let's be really like I actually don't live by it because I'm literally honest with the audience here. And instead of telling just be truthful all the time, I'm saying there's a lot of people not being truthful, making absolute killing <laughs> amount of money because they're good at SEO. And so here's a question for you. <laughs> Give me an example of a time when you've recommended a product that wasn't the best. Strive at the end when we were still recommending it. Why? Honestly, because we just didn't have time to update the content. Like I, I was saying it on like a podcast like this. If you ask me on the podcast like this at the time, I was not recommending it, but there's like all updated content or whatever. Like it can happen that there is a lag between what's on your site and what you really think at the time. And so at that time, I would, I would assume that's a recommendation that we all like, for example, the recommended product page on Notary Hacker, right? Uh, I update yeah. it every year. But, you know, like it's possible that if you're like eight months since I updated it, then the recommendation on the site 
might not be exactly what we're using right now. But we update it once a year, so it's like it's close enough. But every year, I change like 30% of the tools or something in there. So yeah, that's like, I guess it's like, it's lying by omission in this case, rather than like really li like intentionally lying. On other sites, have we, we have done it on other sites. We have done it as if it's on other sites. Do you want me to give you real examples? Like uh, ClickBank pro some ClickBank products, for example? Which one? Venus Factor or uh, Truth About Apps or stuff like that? Yeah. Would you, would you use that yourself? To be honest, I never went through Venus Factor, so I don't know. It's for it's probably for women, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's the Adonis Golden Ratio or something for the yeah old males. Yeah, fair um, enough. So I, like, I, would, I mean, we, we didn't write those reviews, but I think. But would you use it? Like, it's like when you're making you own that site. Would you actually use that? Would you buy the Adonis Golden Ratio on ClickBank to I, I, try I, to I get in shape? Don't even know what it is, but probably not. No. Okay, so but I guess we've done it. Truth about time. abs, though, wasn't that pretty good? I guess I guess I'm just not the guy that would buy like an ebook for fitness. Like I would just watch YouTube videos or something. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know so what I mean? long and short of it, the moral <laughs> complexities of affiliate marketing are not black and white then. Is that what we're saying? Well, uh yeah. It's like it's at the end you're also running a business, right? I think there's a there's a difference between recommending an absolute trash product and a good enough product that does the job that what people expect. And I think to that extent, you could say Bluehost does the job for most people. So is this really that bad? It hosts a website. It's not the absolute best page feature, but like people just want a website. Like if you buy Bluehost, you know absolutely nothing about web hosting anyway. So I think it's like if it does the job and people people are expecting, it doesn't have to be what you want. It has to be what the audience wants. And so as a result, you know, there's a there's a lot of debate to be had. But and I think like these clickbank products I mentioned, I think they were in the same vein. They were not lying. They were just not what I would use personally. You know. Fair enough. So yeah, okay, that was uh, <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> I'll take the next one, which is going to be ask for uh, discounts. So you said ask for higher commissions, but often together you can also ask for discounts for people. And discounts will boost your, your conversion rate. Even if you lose a bit of commission, because let's say you get paid 20% of what people spend. Well, if you get 20% discount, then you essentially get 4% less money. But well, your conversion will be much higher, right. so more than make up for it. People love exactly. the discount, so they'll go and for it. The way it really worked for us is when we managed to convince the seller to also create a landing page that said exclusive discounts for the readers of and whatever the site is, I'll say Autoria Hacker in this case. And then there's our logo and their logo next to each other. Like a lot of like in a lot of industries, this is common practice. We didn't invent it. And that converted like gangbuster, like literally 30, 40% more. And um, I'm actually gonna Couple that with another tip that I had on the list, which is I, what I like to do with these discounts is I like to use exit pop-ups. And so let's say you're on a review, right? Like you're on a review of Ahrefs. Uh, Ahrefs doesn't give discounts, but I'll just give an idea to people who listen. You're on a review of Ahrefs. And I'm like, well, Ahrefs is $99 per month. And I'll, I'll put the normal price on my main review content to anchor the value of the product. Most affiliates would just say, oh, look, get 20% off Ahrefs, get it only for $80 or whatever. I would not do that. I would be like $99 per month. And then I would put an exit intent pop-up and I would put a big timer and I'd be like, get 20% off Ahrefs now, click here to claim the discount. Because of the anchored value, rather than just saying it's $80, people feel like they really got a discount because the main content of the page feels like the normal thing. And so these together with the custom landing page, et cetera, has been amazing in terms of revenue. And for example, it doesn't just work on reviews because for example, this example of like how to work, out, work your back out at home, 
You can do the same with the TRX, for example. You're watching, you're reading this article about uh, how to use the TRX to do rows, and then you can then have an exit pop-up that says, hey, 20% of the TRX, click here to get it. And your info content will make sales. We have made quite a lot of sales from info content that way, using these exclusive discount pop-ups and semi-buyer intent keyword, which gives you so much more than just the review and the base keywords. Along a similar vein, you can also do the same with bonuses. So uh -huh. you can bundle some kind of bonus, maybe a guide, your own mini course, some kind of info product that you've created. And whenever someone buys the affiliate program, you can deliver that bonus to them. And if it's a digital thing, digital course, something digital, then of course that's free to an automate can be automated. A lot of affiliate programs and a lot of affiliate software actually has the ability for affiliates to deliver a bonus built in automatically to the tool. So Thrivecart, which is a shopping cart slash affiliate platform we use for the authority hacker courses, our affiliates can actually, there's an option for them to, to do that. So whenever they recommend someone to our course and that person buys, they will automatically get emailed the bonus. So you can do that really effectively if you have something of value. You can do that really effectively in order to help further encourage the, the sale in the same way like a, a discount would be. So you're, if they buy through your link, they're getting something extra. Yeah, uh, we had some affiliates do that. I, it's quite classic in IM, but like in other niches, not so much, actually. I want to go back to pop-ups, actually, because I didn't actually give everything. So I give you the way to do like a discount pop-up, which is like, it's a pop-up, but there's no email opt-in. It's just a button. You click on it, and it takes you to the landing page, which is your affiliate link, and it works really well. Another thing, like especially if you want to build an audience like Mark, is to do the opt-in bait-and-switch, I call it, which is essentially... Instead of being like, oh, TRX is on discount today, click here to get it. It would be like, TRX is on discount today, enter your email to get it. And then people will opt in, join your email list. And then the thank you page is your affiliate link and sends people to your to the TRX discount. So you're able to build a, link, a list. And at the same time, you're able to send people to discount. But when you capture their emails, you can then follow up email about that TRX to them for like three or four days. And you will get less clicks because people need to put their email and a lot of people are willing to click but not put their email. However, you will kind of catch up on that a little bit with the follow-up emails and then you'll be able to promote stuff to these people, which uh, works quite well. And another thing that you can do as well with the pop-ups is go the traditional way, so which is offering a lead magnet. So, you know, download my free home workout guide, for example, in this, uh, in this case, and people just opt in. And they land on the thank you page, and then you create what we call an offer wall, which is a really old school concept in um, affiliate marketing. Uh, we did run that for a while. And essentially, you land on it, and it's going to be like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to, I don't know, work on your skincare? Do you want to learn how to work out? Basically, like a bunch of things that would be related to the content. And essentially, each of these is an affiliate offer, right? Many times we would do that with like VSL types landing pages, but like we would just like be promoting that. Or we'd be putting a mix of blog posts together with offers. So we'd be like, oh, home workout, TRX discount, you know, how to do your own face cream, acne cream, etc. And we'd mix it up and people would just click on whatever is interesting to them on the grid and we would monetize it in a smart way, either through monetizing the blog post they're landing on or through directly sending them to an affiliate offer. So the pop-ups, even if you're like not a big email person, there's a lot of ways to use them to make money. And not many affiliate sites do it. Like some of the highest TPCs we ever had 
Well, on pop-ups, actually. And I'm quite surprised how few people do it, despite the fact that I've mentioned that quite a bit. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, so let's talk about CRO for a second. Uh, Again, this is one of these other things which is much easier to do if you're using a standardized template and all your review pages or versus pages or roundup pages are according to the same same format. Similarly, if you're using tables, which we mentioned before, this is probably one of the key things which you're actually going to test. There are various ways to actually run an A-B test. You can use a tool like Visual Web Optimizer, which is, uh, I mean, it's been around for more than 10 years. I can remember using this back in 2009, that long ago. Uh, it basically, it's a drag and drop uh, A-B testing. You don't need to know any coding. It's just super duper easy. I believe there used to be a way with to do for free with Google Analytics. You had a blog post on that many years ago. I, d- I don't remember. If, is that still a thing or... I think the options still exist, but you should be not using that. You should be using okay. the the dedicated tool for A/B test from uh, I think it's Google, Google Website Optimizer. Yeah. Anyway, Visual Web Optimizer. There's a bunch of others out there. They they all do more or less the same thing. I just I know that one particularly well. What you do is you take your existing site, the existing layout, and that's the kind of control. And then you have a variation. So you change, ideally one thing, uh, and then you'll send traffic, it sends 50% of visitors to one and 50% of visitors to the other. And then you look at the data, how many clicks, how many sales did each version generate. Now, a lot of people make the mistake with CRO and they start testing things which don't really make a big difference, like the color of their buttons or something. Generally, big layout changes, big headline changes, any kind of call to action, copy, like the, the text on the button or any kind of like major layout changes, so putting a table you know, above the fold or versus further down, those are the things which you probably want to be testing because they, they tend to make more of a difference. Just remember as well, when you, when you are running a test, that you do need quite a lot of traffic to a specific page before yeah. you get enough data for it. So if you're getting you know, 100 visitors a month, uh, it's probably not worth, worth testing at that point. You'll need, I don't know what the statistical significance is, but like... Like 95 several is about... Yeah, that, so the, I mean, the number of visits you need depends on the spread of the results of the different pages. So if like one page has like 5% conversion rate and one has 1%, it's pretty quick to decide. If one page has 1% and the other one has 1.1%, it takes a yeah. lot of visits. So it's not that simple, but you, you want at least 95% statistical significance, which could take several thousands of visits. So it's not something you want to do right away. It's something that you do when you've done all the stuff I talked about at the beginning, building these big hubs with similar articles as well, etc. So you can use the same data for multiple pages. That's when it kind of makes sense as an affiliate. Otherwise, I would say just write more content. I'll take the, the last point, which is emailing your list. And people will be like, oh, email list. Yes, build an email list. So I, I mentioned several ways to build your email list even without having a lead magnet earlier. But I like the email list because it's a great way to test an offer as well. Like, so... For people who have never never ventured out of Amazon, they haven't done that. But if you have, then you will essentially be collecting like 10, 20 offers that you'd like to try. And honestly, like you find 10 and nine will be trash and one will be good, you know? And one easy way to test these offers is just emailing your list, get a thousand clicks and see what happens. Are you making any sales or not? So I quite like emailing your list. But yeah, you can't email Amazon links, by the way. I didn't do that. 
But one thing that I like to do is using behavior targeting because some people are afraid to email offers to their list as well, which I can understand if you're emailing a lot of time, a lot of offers, different offers to your list, etc. It will burn out to some extent. We even have a blog post on Atari Hacker where we did like 20 promo emails in 30 days. And yeah, there was a degree of burnout at the end. We did make good money too, but uh, there's a degree of burnout at the end. So if you want to do that, I would encourage uh, behavior targeting on your email list. And the way you do that is... Let's say you have, well, let's go back to our TRX example, right? You have your TRX. What I do is I would email my blog post on how to work out your back at home. Then I can tell in my email system, anyone that opens that email or clicks on the link, whichever you want. If you do click, there will be less people, but they'll be more targeted. If you do open, there'll be more people, but they'll be less targeted. Then add them the tag TRX. And then let that send that email and wait two to three days so that enough like most people had a chance to open it or it just was buried in the inbox. And after that, you essentially have a list of, depending on the size of your list, maybe between 50 and 3,000 people. And then you can write a promo email to these people to say, hey, there's a discount on a TRX, go and check it out. Because what it does, you are first probing for interest in a topic by sending a blog post on how to work out your back at home. And it looks like you're just providing value to your list. And what it does is it segments people who are interested in building your back from a, a back while working out at home from those who are not interested in that in your email list. And so the people who are not interested will never receive a promo. And what you can do is you can just email another blog post to segment them for something else, maybe like how to make smoothies at home and then just promote a new tribulate to them, for example. That would be what I would do. And so you're able to build these mini lists of interest that you can then target with stuff that's relevant to them because they have told you through consuming your content. So it's a great way to run your email list. For example, on your Toy Hacker list, I have a, I think I have a list of like six to six to eight thousand people. I can't remember of people that just for link building, for example. I know they won't take care about link building, etc. If we ever had anything just related to link building to promote some software we use that does a discount or something, I can just email these people, and be like, hey, discount on Ahrefs or discount on Hunter or something, and then like not bother the people that follow us for you know email marketing, which there's three of them, you know. So it's what it allows me to do. So email your list, but be smart about it so that you don't burn it out. Any other final tip, final words of wisdom on like affiliate for people? No, just to add to the email thing, I think it's it's again it's one of these kind of like long-term plays that a lot of affiliates who are just relying on, you know, the Google traffic and the visitor that's never going to return, make a quick buck off of them, which as we've established, absolutely works. But if you want to get to that like authority site mode level, then it's something yeah, you, have you to really get have more to traffic consider sources. doing and, you know, try and get people back and build a real audience and, and do all that kind of stuff. But as someone who's done it, like, it's so worthwhile when you when you have it because it's a pain in the ass to, to start with, to be honest. But once you get there, like it's just it's so powerful and the stuff you can do with it is just is awesome. The thing as well is like if you're gonna be building info content for your link building, then you might as well have at least opt-ins on your info content. Yeah. It will get traffic because you're getting links to it. No, while you're, you're doing outreach campaigns, by the way, after, like yeah. I would like we would tend to produce the info content, do the outreach campaign, and then like, I don't know. A month or six weeks after we finished doing the outreach campaign, we would we would then put the opt-ins on because we found that we got fewer links when there were opt-in pop-ups on the, yeah. the page. Yeah, but like if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna do skyscraper, if you're gonna do all that, you might as well just put a pop-up. Even if you're not emailing your list yet, just like start passively building your list, 
and just make a resolution that when it hits 5,000, you start emailing once a week. And then, yeah, eventually we'll build up and it will work. So, okay, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys for listening. We have an HPro launch coming up on Sunday, the 19th of April. So if you've been waiting for HPro, I know several people have been emailing. It is coming soon, finally. We have a new podcast coming up next Monday on our best SEO tips. If you're on YouTube, you know what? Just click the subscribe button, click the bell, uh, drop us a comment, help us rank you on YouTube would help. If you're not on YouTube, then don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcast. That's also iTunes. That's the same. Uh, <laughs> we are on Google Podcast. Uh, and we're on SoundCloud. So we are on all of them. Just find us there and subscribe. So thank you for listening. Have a good week. See you later.